Welcome to Modern Practice. I'm your host, Dr. Tomas Villanueva, Senior Principal for Operations and Quality at Vizient and Practicing Internist. Today we'll be discussing an area of care often overlooked as unimportant, the variables of chronic fatigue and debilities. Joining me is a return guest who will explain why this category is indeed important, Rachel MacRN. Rachel, welcome back to Modern Practice. Thank you so much, Tom. It's great to be here. So remind us again about your background and your current position here at Vizient. Of course. I am a registered nurse by background. My nursing experience, CVICU, ICU, travel nursing, a little bit of home health just to make things interesting. I've been in CDI since 2012, and I have been with Vizient officially. A couple weeks ago, it was three years. And I am a consultant in the CDI encoding program here with Vizient. And we go across the country and improve CDI encoding programs and do physician education and all sorts of fun stuff. That's exactly what we do. So let's start our conversation by some clarifying. What do you mean when you say chronic fatigue or debilities? Of course, Tom. Chronic fatigue and debilities is a very specific Vizian variable that includes codes in G codes, R codes, and Z codes. Some chronic fatigue and debilities diagnoses fall into categories that are really not, or they don't feel like they're medically related diagnoses. However, some of the conditions in this variable are very real, very medical, and are often underdocumented, undercaptured, and undercoded. So I'm here today to give these conditions the credit that I think they're due. And for everyone in our audience, I think it's important to remember that Vizient's risk models are updated yearly. And currently, they just got updated, currently pull from almost 13 million inpatient stays from academic medical centers and 10.5 million community inpatient stays. And what our data shows is that capturing conditions in the chronic fatigue and abilities variable greatly contributes to increased expected mortality. In fact, the chronic fatigue and abilities Vizient variable has a beta coefficient score greater than 1.0 in many of our risk models, which statistically speaking is extremely significant. So it's important for everyone to be aware of this variable. Can you please just briefly describe what you mean by G-code, R-code, or Z-code? I absolutely can. Thank you so much for asking. So R-codes are classified usually as symptom codes. That's where your altered mental status codes, abdominal pain codes, things like that are going to lie. Z-codes can be a variety of things. A lot of Z-codes are considered social determinant of health codes, but a lot of Z-codes are significant past medical history codes. For instance, if a patient has resistance to some type of antibiotic, that's going to be a Z code. The BMI code that goes along with the morbid obesity diagnosis, that's going to be a Z code. So I call Z codes, they're kind of catch-all. They can be a little bit of everything. And again, they go unreported frequently. G codes, that's just a regular old ICD-10 code, typically a medical condition code. But great question. Thanks. So what codes currently count and will actually capture the Vizium variables for chronic fatigue and debilities? Great question. So there's several at this point, and actually this year, I think another one or two were added, but the codes that are going to capture this variable, again, keeping in mind, these codes need to be present on admission in order to capture the Vizient variable. That's not the case for all codes. It's not the case for all variables, but for this one, they need to be POA. But these codes are post-viral fatigue syndrome, myalgic encephalomyelitis or chronic fatigue syndrome, Other post-infection and related fatigue syndromes, that's a mouthful and seems very vague, but it's definitely one of the busiest variables for this one, neoplastic related fatigue, functional quadriplegia, chronic fatigue unspecified, age-related physical debility, 
limitations of activities due to disability, bed confinement status, and other reduced mobility. So after listing all of those diagnoses, all those codes, I think this variable starts to make a little bit more sense. Actually, it does. So as a hospitalist, we've been doing a lot of work around the country about early mobility and how the lack of early mobility is affecting patients being transferred to SNPs. And we're seeing larger or more length of stays among patients going to SNPs. So these Z codes would actually help with your expected length of stay, I would imagine. Yes, they absolutely would. Not only for expected mortality, length of stay, but also for Vizient's calculator for direct cost. These would have a lot of impact. Good to know. So when you say that some of these conditions are legit medical conditions that are underdocumented, which ones are you referencing to? Yeah, so I will give my best medical opinion. And Dr. Tom, I know you're a doctor, so you might have a little bit more feedback for this. But the conditions that I just listed that are what I lovingly refer to as tried and true medical conditions. These are workupable, diagnosable. This is not an opinion statement. These are medical conditions. The first one is post-viral fatigue syndrome. And I loved, this is going to sound like a weird sentence. I loved researching this because I didn't know a whole lot about it. This is when fatigue that a patient has that started with a viral infection continues much longer after the infection is gone. People experience severe fatigue. They'll often describe a feeling of complete physical and mental exhaustion, which is different to the everyday tiredness that everyone will experience at sometimes, right? Even me today a little bit. Recovery after activity changes. So rest and sleep, they can sleep for 12 hours and they don't feel well rested. They don't feel refreshed. They often describe literally not being able to get out of bed, not being able to peel themselves out of bed. This condition is awful and affects people of all ages and all fitness levels. And we are seeing it quite a bit more frequently in COVID-19 compared to other conditions. So now that obviously a lot of people have gotten that condition, now post-viral fatigue syndrome is getting a little bit more attention. Another condition that causes this commonly, and Dr. Tommy may have seen this in your practice, is Epstein-Barr or mono. That fatigue can last for, (laughs) I hate to say years, but weeks or months typically for these types of patients. The unfortunate thing about post-viral fatigue syndrome, it's not fully understood. The timeline's different for patients. They may come in to the hospital or their outpatient space. They may not. And also the treatment modalities for this are pretty limited. They're sort of supporting as opposed to actual treatment. Yeah, with Epstein-Barr particularly, or even from mono, it's actually very common to have muscle breakdown. So you're actually losing muscle and that's what makes you so weak. Exactly. Well, when you lay in the bed for six weeks straight, right? Like that's what's going to happen. So another one of these conditions that, again, it's tried and true medical condition is the myalgic encephalomyelitis or chronic fatigue syndrome. So a lot of people listening may have heard of this condition. This one gets a little bit more attention, but this is a syndrome and it's abbreviated or can be abbreviated ME or CFS. I don't see it abbreviated a lot (laughs) in the inpatient space, but it can be abbreviated. This is a significantly disabling and complex illness. People with myalgic encephalomyelitis or chronic fatigue syndrome have overwhelming fatigue, again, very similar to our previous condition, that is not improved by rest. It may get much worse after any activity whatsoever. We mentioned getting out of bed earlier. They may get out of bed, go to the bathroom, and then they have to get right back in the bed or they feel like they're going to pass out. The symptoms that come along with this, again, that post-exertional malaise, other symptoms include problems with sleep. So they desperately want to sleep for 18 hours, but they lay there and they can't sleep, right? They have trouble thinking. They have trouble with concentrating. They may develop pain. There's actually been a lot of research here recently in the last few years about the relationship of depression and pain. So I imagine if you can't get out of bed, you can't do your normal activities, this is obviously getting worse. And again, these patients may also be very dizzy. 
other patients who are able to peel themselves out of bed that have this condition, the crazy thing is they may not look very ill, right? So these are patients who have those wheelchair accessible tags in their car. They park near the front, but they can walk technically. (laughs) They can walk to the grocery store and people may judge them, right? Because they don't look disabled. They're not using a wheelchair, not realizing that that 100 foot walk is the most exhausting thing that they're going to do with their day. So just a really unfortunate condition. The other very unfortunate thing about this condition is that an estimated, and this is a very wide estimate, but an estimated 836,000 to two and a half million Americans suffer from this condition. And it costs the U.S. economy anywhere from 17 to 24 billion dollars annually in medical bills and lost income, right? A lot of these patients, a lot of these humans end up not being able to work after they get diagnosed with this condition until it improves. So talked about post-viral fatigue syndrome, chronic fatigue syndrome. The next one, for those of you CDI specialists, coders, maybe even some quality folks listening, functional quadriplegia is going to sound very normal, very common to you. Other people are like, what's that? So functional quadriplegia, another diagnosis that falls into this chronic fatigue and abilities physium variable. If you are a CDI specialist or a coder, you have absolutely queried for this, (laughs) either relatively recently or within the past month. This is defined as the complete mobility due to severe disability or frailty from another medical condition without injury to the brain or spinal cord. So these patients, they're not technically quadriplegic. They can usually move their limbs. They just don't move them purposefully. And the reason is these are cancer patients, advanced dementia, nursing home patients, things like that. So what this means, these patients are treated like they have a quadriplegia, even though they are not quadriplegic. They cannot feed themselves. They cannot turn themselves. They require Q2 hour nursing turns. Typically, they require around the clock 24 hour care. They also typically have quite a few contractures, especially in their arms. A lot of times physicians will document everything (laughs) except the term functional quadriplegia. They'll state the patient is bed bound, can't perform activities, can't assist ADLs, et cetera. And this condition, like many other conditions that we talk about frequently, quite underdocumented in the CDI encoding space and is currently a major comorbid condition or an MCC when we can get it captured. So a few more conditions that we'll talk about that are tried and true medical conditions. Won't spend quite as much time on them because we've already talked about these in a little roundabout way, but chronic fatigue unspecified, right? Not due to a viral syndrome, not due to cancer, not due to anything like that. This is just chronic fatigue. And unfortunately, I could not find a medical definition for this specific terminology, which happens sometimes with our ICD-10 codes. The terminology doesn't quite match the codes. I think that this encapsulates patients with severe chronic fatigue that has really not been officially diagnosed as chronic fatigue syndrome just yet. Honestly, they're in that waiting window, still getting worked up, still figuring out what the heck's going on with them, and still getting a lot of care. The last, again, tried and true medical condition is neoplastic-related fatigue. Neoplastic-related fatigue, this is short, sweet, and to the point definition. I would consider diagnosing and documenting that a patient has a neoplastic-related fatigue for patients that prior to their diagnosis of cancer or leukemia or lymphoma, whatever the cause case may be, they were able to participate actively in ADLs. They exercised. They could walk short or long distances. They felt really good. Then they get diagnosed with this cancer and everything goes downhill from there. And they have this ongoing awful fatigue and there's no other cause or rhyme or reason why they would be experiencing that. Rachel, great discussion. And on the next episode, we'll continue with steps we can take to remedy these challenges. 
And to our listeners, you can contact Rachel on our email address in the resource section of our podcast page. And if you have any additional questions pertaining to modern practice, or simply want to send us your comments, please contact me at our email, modernpracticepodcast at visiantinc.com. We posted a link in the resource section as well. And please join us for other modern practice podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments. And now, I'm Dr. Tomas Villanueva. Thank you so much for listening.